0: Okay, so we had an exciting week. Last time I left you guys, I had I had broke down and gave you my predictions on college football playoff. Got both of those games correct, um, as I expected. Uh, then I gave you guys my week seventeen predictions. I gave you a little bit of cowboy talk, Carson wins talk, Packer talk. We got a lot of similar stuff like that today. Um, I cannot wait to bring you guys this. Uh, we have coaches getting fired. We're gonna talk about the playoff teams, the playoff picture format. In so-called and the upcoming college football playoff national title game, um, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to you know recap those games. Um, you know I'm going to talk about the NFL playoff teams and situations and coaches getting fired. What I think about the with what, what I think about the decisions. Uh, these decisions not really surprising. Some teams are are continue to retain some of their coaches and. Players and GMs, so we have a lot to unpack. Um, so let's go ahead and do it. Uh, you, we, we got a big weekend of ha- ahead of us with some wild card matchups. I cannot wait. We got some good wild card matchups. NFL playoffs never lets us down. So let's go. Are you guys ready? Let's go. I'm ready to take you guys on another audio adventure. Come on, let's go. Bye. Yeah. So we had a lot happen this past weekend. Uh sorry you guys, but I just want to break it to you right now. There's no that's that was the last week of Isaiah's top 10. So if you want to go back and listen to the previous like 16 top 10s I did, go ahead, go ahead. But no more top 10s. Uh we have all playoffs, all playoffs. Um my top 10 probably wouldn't have changed. Uh it, it consists of all the playoff teams basically practically um throughout the year. So, you guys, no more top 10s. That was the last one for the football season, for this football season. But we got a lot to get into and break down. Uh I want to first talk about some teams, some teams that I watched uh very closely over the weekend and that's some and some teams that I've watched um these last few weeks. I've watched the Packers the last few weeks. Um we all know that they have the 2 seed locked up. Uh, I've watched the 49. I've practically watched the 49ers just about all year, but I've watched them these last few games. These lat, the practically the last month of football, I uh, you know I've been closely paying. I've been closely paying attention to the 49ers. They've had a tough schedule. You know, playing New Orleans, playing Baltimore, playing Green Bay, playing Seattle again, uh, playing the Rams. So. I've watched them these last few weeks. New England, I've watched New England. I've watched Buffalo and Philly and Dallas. So, I wanna, I'm going to get into about most of those teams. And I'm going to tell you what I think um, was the next step forward. Uh, for teams that didn't make the playoffs, like Dallas, I'm going to tell you what I think about that. Um, but, let's first, I want to first tackle and talk about the 49ers. Once again, and I've been saying this for the last mm, two weeks now, I came over here and I said, there, there's four teams in the NFL that's currently in the playoffs that I said, practically every time I watch them, especially these last, like, this last month of football, they, they pop off my television screen and they say Super Bowl. They have Super Bowl written. All over them, just by how the way they play, their coach, just the way how they, these are button-up teams. The just the way, just the look of these teams, and the way how they've been playing, and the production that they get from certain uh, fields of the of the game, certain units of the team. I get Super Bowl feelings, and it was. New, it was New Orleans, San Francisco, Kansas City, and Baltimore. Those are the four teams this past month, this past December, where I look at them and they have taken their play to the next level. And I ultimately look, I ultimately look at them as my four prominent Super Bowl contending teams. You know, I'm not, I, I'm not counting, I'm not, I'm not all the way counting out Green Bay. Um, but you know, you but you guys know what I feel about Green Bay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that. But you guys know how about how I feel about Green Bay. But I'm not I'm not just automatically counting them out. Uh, you know, I came on here. You know, you guys know my love for Russell Wilson and Seattle. But I think Seattle has a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, some key positions, and I think they're too Russell Wilson dependent. That's what I think about Seattle. Um, New England. They don't have enough weapons. They look. They don't look athletic. They just look dead. They 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 have a great coach. Schematically, they'd be fine, but they look dead. But this is what I want to get with San Francisco. I watched them on Sunday night against Seattle. Uh, they they practically they they controlled the game for. I mean, they controlled most of that game. See, San Francisco controlled most of that game. They imposed their will. They imposed and told Seattle, "Hey, Seattle, we're gonna play like this all night. You guys not gonna be able to stop it. You guys have to stop it. Stop it." And Seattle was ineffective to do that. Uh, Seattle, they got a cup. They they generated some, you know, some crucial stops down the stretch in the fourth, in the late, you know, in in the early and mid fourth quarter. But San Francisco controlled that game for for a good share of it. Uh if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, that game is not close. If it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Russell Wilson and him keeping that offense afloat and keeping that team uh close that close and keeping it that close of a game, that game that, that game is not even that close. It's not even that it's not even close. 'Cause San Francisco, the forty ers have and they ju- they just they just said, hey, We're going to do this, we're going to do that, and we're going to do it effectively and as efficient as possible, and we're going to win the game. We're coming out here with the number one seed. I watched San Francisco. I said, hey, I was like, the 49ers want it more. The 49ers, they're playing like they want that number one seed. They're playing like they want home field advantage throughout the entire playoffs. They're playing just like that. And, in they imposed their will on Seattle. They want. They did what they wanted to. They ran the ball, um, and I'm just gonna tell you. I'm just gonna pick apart where the success comes from. First, um, I always say, if you have these four things in place, I don't care how good of a roster you you have or don't have, or how talented of a roster you have or don't have. If you have these key things in place, where it's a proof, it's. It, it, It's a proven thing. If you have these things in the right order and place, you're gonna be fine. You you you're gonna be just fine in this league. If you look at eight out of the seven out of the eight teams with the worst records in football this year, had bad quarterback play, or they or they were teams led by the the seven. Or 8 worst quarterbacks in the league. Like there's correlation there. There's correlation. And the Chargers are there. But I can probably make a case. That Phillip Rivers. Was a bottom tier quarterback this year. With his play. And his turnovers. And the amount of mistakes that he made. But 7 out of the 8. Teams. Worst records. Teams with the worst records had probably the worst quarterback play. They had the, they had the worst or you know amongst, they were amongst the worst quarterback play this entire year. And this is what I mean if, you're front, if you have a good front office, smart competent front office who makes the right decision at the coaching position and then you get the quarterback position right? You're gonna be just fine. You're gonna be just fine. Just look at the teams that made the playoffs. I can start in the NFC. Seattle, good, good owner, good management, good front office, good coach, great coach, probably one. He's a top five coach in the league, and then a superstar quarterback in Russell Wilson. You know, you know. We all know that defense is hit and miss. They can't, they can't generate pass rush most times. You know, they got injuries at the, run, at the running back position. Now the tight end, you know, Discley, he's been out for the most of the year. So Russell Wilson, he's been throwing a DK Metcalf and Jacob Hollister. Doesn't matter about the young receiving core. Seattle has good front office, great coach, great quarterback. You have those three things in place. You're going to be just fine. New Orleans, good coach, good quarterback, good front office. Philly, good coach, good front office, good quarterback. San Francisco, good front office, good coach, good quarterback. Green Bay, good front office. I guess he's a good coach. He went 13-3 and and good quarterback. Minnesota, good front office, good coach, somewhat of a good quarterback. But they have a good roster. They have a really good roster all around. New England, good coach, good quarterback, good front office. They just don't draft well. Buffalo, good coach, good quarterback, solid quarterback, good front office. Better front office from previous years. No? Kansas City, good coach, good quarterback, good front office Baltimore good coach, good front office, good quarterback like it's a trend in the league it's a trend, and just look at all the teams that did miss the playoffs. not saying that you know they you know I think some teams do have a good coach, but they're missing the quarterback i do I, I think I do think some teams have solid quarterbacks, but the coach in the in the front office poorly ran. I think there's some teams with good front offices, but they can't find the right quarterback, can't find the right coach, vice versa. But if you have a good mix of these three, I think generally in the NFL, you would be fine. You know, with Indianapolis, I like Indianapolis. They have a good front office, um, nice, good GM. Good, I think I, Frank Wright is a good coach, but Jacoby Brissett isn't, He, he he's not a, a franchise guy. He's a... He's a good two to three year replacement. He's a good two to three year placeholder until you find a franchise guy. So it's, and so it's situations like that where you have the right coach, right situation, but you just you just got to figure out that. And most of these playoff teams have figured it out, or if they haven't, like, Buffalo, I think they I, they like Josh Allen, and I like Josh Allen. But Josh Allen still has some steps to make. But I, but I think he'll make them. But he has good talent. He has good upside. He has good upside. So, I, I'm always a bit. I'm telling you, you guys got to pay attention to this. I don't care how talented of a roster you have. Cleveland has awesome offensive personnel. Cleveland have two two star running backs, two star receivers, a star young a young star tight end. Uh they got a, like Cleveland has a multitude of weapons. They have good players at some important positions. Like Cleveland has a good DB, Cleveland has a good pass rusher, Cleveland has good receivers, Cleveland has good running backs. Like they have players, they have ballers in 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 some critical positions. But Cleveland front office is horrible, and Freddie Kitchens got fired. We're going to talk more about that. So it's not only just about talent and this and that. We've seen it with the Cowboys. Cowboys have one of the most talented rosters in football. But they don't have the coaching thing all the way settled. They don't have the coach all the way settled. I mean, Dallas, you look at who, if you look at who Dallas have drafted these last few years, you can go back, you can probably go back since 2010 to now, and look who's Dallas have drafted in the first few rounds, they have drafted nothing but Pro Bowlers, they've drafted nothing but Pro Bowlers, but especially this team, this core that they have now, the front office has done a good job to put this core together, they've done a good job to put this core together, and it's not like... It's not like that it's not like the Cowboys have been extremely active in free agency the last few years. Like a lot of these guys that that they have are homegrown guys and guys that they have drafted Jalen Smith, Vanderus, Zeke, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick. Like a lot of these guys, they've they've just drafted Byron Jones. They've drafted these guys. And these are homegrown guys and they have been ultimately pro these are pro bowlers that we're talking about. But they gotta figure out the coach thing. They gotta figure out who's gonna coach this talented Cowboys team. And this is my this is this and this goes back right to San Francisco. San Francisco just a few years ago. Just a few years ago, one of the worst teams in football, Jim Harbaugh had left, have went they went through coaches. Can't find the right guy at the quarterback position. Struggling. You know, they land Kyle Shanahan. First, they land John Lynch. They land Kyle Shanahan. They put the piece together. They draft well these last few years. They go out and sign some, some star notable guys for their defense Richard Sherman, Quan Alexander. They D Ford. They go out and sign a couple guys. Then they draft a couple guys like the fours buckner and Joey Bosa they go out and sign they go out and draft well go out and get their quarterback put a put a put a system in place Kyle Shanahan like the 49ers have done a good job to build this roster and they, to me they feel like the best team in the NFC they feel like the number 1 seed you know how some teams just get in there like the like, Forty ers seem—they look like a playoff team. They look like a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl contending team. They look like that, you know. And I think Kyle Shanahan—it goes. I think it starts with him. Let's just start right there. Shanahan has done a good job. He's brung his—he's brung his father's zone re, his zone, zone running scheme to San Francisco. And basically, if, if for listeners who don't know uh, what I mean by zone running scheme, uh, well, first, Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's father, uh, with the late with those with those late nineties Denver Broncos team, they ran a zone running game. They they ran the ball with Terrell Davis, Hall of Fame Hall of Famer Terrell Davis. They 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 ran a zone running game, scheme, and basically in that scheme you pull your you're, you're pulling your offensive alignment out and you're basically you're ultimately eliminating two probably three defensive players out of the play so that's 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 you know that 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 lessens the number of of number of guys that you have to block so ultimately, with them, with you eliminating, with them eliminating two to three defensive guys, that makes the zone running scheme ultimately efficient and effective. It makes it more effective than than most running schemes. It makes it more effective. So Kyle Shanahan has incorporated that. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing well. I don't. I I, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is Joe Montana. I don't think he's Joe Montana by a, long, by a long shot, but he's been playing well. He, he He's accurate. And in big, he's clutch. In big situations, in big moments, he doesn't let the 49ers down. It's been a few times this year, you know, late down the, se- late down the season, down the stretch, where the 49ers have essentially asked, hey, our defense has given up a lot of yards and points. Um, we get, we're giving you the ball. Can you win this can you win us this game? Can you go out? Can you go down here in March? You know, our running game's getting been getting stuffed. Defense giving up more points than usual. We need you to win this game. And Jimmy Garoppolo has done that on multiple occasions this year. Late and late big games. He's done that. He's done it. So this 49er team, they just feel they feel they feel so like a like a Super Bowl team, and I've been saying that about I've been saying that about Baltimore. I've been saying that about Kansas City. I've been saying that um about about New Orleans. Don't let me give about don't don't let me forget about New Orleans. I've been saying that about New Orleans, but I, I you know with this team, I feel like they are they 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 look like a Super Bowl team. These are the teams that, it, just in my opinion, I think they, they they just look they they pop. They pop off my television screen. They have some sizzle, and then you know if you if you add in the addition on offense with uh, with that the forty ers have, they got a they, tight end is a monster. George Kittle, I came into the season saying George Kittle is a monster. He's probably one of the he's probably the best rec- tight end in football. Then you got the fullback, the running game, off the line. Uh, Debo Samuel is a young emerging, young talented receiver who's the 49ers like, who I like, who they got in the second round out of South Like, big moves, good, 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 good moves, good draft picks. This is what I mean. This is what I mean by making the right decisions. And in order to make the right decisions as an organization, you got to have ultimately the right people in those positions to put you and to make those decisions. These decisions that eventually get you over the top and allows you to be a number one seed and allows you a, a, a great possibility at getting to a Super Bowl. You have to have the right people to make these type of moves and decisions. As an organization, you that's a must. You have to. You have to. So, I want to shift gears to the good and the bad. Great for the 49ers. You know, I think they're, they're, they're one of my four teams that I think look like Super Bowl teams, and I think that's going to make the Super Bowl. They're one of my four teams. And let's move on to Cleveland. So, Cleveland lost on Sunday to the Cincinnati Bengals, where I thought Cleveland would win that game because, hey, you know, I know Baker struggles against everybody else, you know, in his division. I know he struggles against everybody else in this division. But hey, I just thought he'd beat the Bengals. I just knew Baker Mayfield and the Browns and Odell. I just knew that they would cap their season off with a victory over Cincinnati. Lord and behold, they did not do that. And, you know, once again, before the game, Baker... Did what Baker does, you know, once again, I question, it goes back to my questions about Baker and what I said or what I was saying, you know, when when he got drafted at number one to the Browns. It was, you know, I think the guy is okay as a a talent, but as just a decision maker and do I really want this guy as a face of the franchise of a multi-million dollar company. Is this gonna be the face that I want the guy that grabs his private parts the, the I mean the guy that has more commercials than wins and by the way I've been saying that I've been saying that I've been saying Baker has more commercials than wins before Stephen a and anybody else have been saying it I've been saying it I said that at the beginning of the season I'm like this guy Baker has more commercials than wins i'm so I've been saying that but like, is this the guy that you want leading your organization? And I said it. I said, I don't think Baker is talented enough to overcome Cleveland's dysfunction. And I don't blame. I, I don't blame Baker's season. I don't blame his. I don't blame this season all on Blake on Baker. I don't. I don't. I, I just. I'm just not. And I told you guys. I had my. I, I made a pie chart. I came up with a pie chart for blame. For for the blunder that happened. For the blunder that happened this season with Cleveland. And I told you... I told you 50% of the blame... Sh- should go to... John Dorsey. John Dorsey was fired today. Um, Freddie Kitchens was fired on Black Monday. I don't know why they called it Black Monday. I don't know why the NFL calls it Black Monday. Because really... On Black Monday, there's a bunch of white. Co- I don't know, but I don't know why they call it Black Monday. But on Black Monday, Freddie Kitchens got fired, and then today, John Dorsey was also relieved of his duties just after two seasons. So first off, I blame fifty percent of the blame. I p- I place it on John Dorsey. John Dorsey. Um, could have did a better job with his personnel, who he bought in, who he traded for. Like, I get the trade for Odell. Okay. The trade for Odell, you want to trade for a star receiver, a number one receiver, even though you had a number one receiver already in Jarvis Landry, who was coming off a career year last year. You already had a number one receiver. You you had a star back. You had a nice tight end, a nice young tight end. But instead, you go out and trade for Odell Beckham. Okay. but then. You trade away your best, your best pass blocking lineman. You pass away your best pass blocker. How, how, how does that work? And all year long, offensively, besides of X's and O's, because I'm gonna get to that with the Browns. But besides that, what was the what was the problem with the Browns? Oh, my bad, my fault. It was pass protection. The Browns had a problem all year long with protecting Baker Mayfield. And what did John Dorsey do during the offseason? Oh yeah, that's right. He traded away the Browns best pass blocking offensive lineman. My bad. Okay. So I play I place 50% of the blame. And guess who we traded him for? He traded his best pass pass blocker for Olivier Vernon. Olivier Vernon did squat this year. He did nada. He did nothing this year. He didn't improve. He didn't help. He didn't bring no leadership to the. He did absolutely squat this year. And you traded that. You traded. You traded for that, just to give up your best pass blocker, even though your weakness on your offense was your pass was your offensive line. Really? How smart is that? So. I think also John Dorsey, he hired Freddie Kitchens. He hired Freddie Kitchens. John Dorsey went on with just, he just went on what Baker said and with ba- and Baker's relationship with Freddie Kitchens and he hired Freddie Kitchens. Mind you, Freddie Kitchens just in a number of months was a position coach. Like he was a position coach. Around this time last year, Freddie Kitchens was a position coach. Throughout the, throughout the offseason, he got elevated. Well, you know, when, when Hugh Jackson got fired, he was first offense coordinator. And then he went, he went to being the head coach. How do you go from a matter of months, how do you go from position coach to just head coach? And not just anybody's head coach. He was the head coach of a team that made a lot of blockbuster moves this year or this offseason. And a lot of people had had them doing big things. And he was also the coach of a team that had a lot of alpha attitudes, a lot of alpha egos in that locker room. And to me, just from the outside looking in, Freddie Kitchens was no way ready for that. He was no way he was no way ready for that. John Dorsey threw him out into the ocean. Freddie Kitchens couldn't swim. He drowned. He drowned. Freddie Kitchens, he, he, he had no business having this Cleveland job in the first place. But first, I gotta give, I gotta deliver and blame and give 50% of the blame to John Dorsey because he made some pretty idiotic moves this offseason. 25% the other, the, so the, the 25% goes to Freddie Kitchens. He was the coach. He was incapable of leading and galvanizing a troop of men. And some of these men were alpha dogs. And he was not ready for it. As I already have, as I just already explained, he was not ready to take on a task this big. He was not ready for it. He wasn't ready to coach Baker. He wasn't ready to coach Odell and Jarvis Landry and Miles Garrett. He just wasn't ready to coach all of those personalities. He was not ready. He was a first-year head coach. And also, not just personalities that he had to coach, but he had to coach under certain circumstances and expectations. Um, I don't know about you guys. Well, I do know about you guys. You guys picked the Browns to make the playoffs. At the beginning of the season... I had the Browns as a 7-9 and team. I saw them as a 7-9 and team. I said, first-year head coach with practically a first-year quarterback with ego, you know, with you know, a lot of egos on this team. I don't know how it works out. Plus, their division is scrappy and tough. I did not see Cleveland going to the playoffs this year. I did not see them being a playoff contender this year. But many had them going, many had them, hell, some people had the Browns going to the Super Bowl. I did not. I did, I did not fall for all the hype. I didn't fall for the hype. They finished 6-10. and 10, I was one game off. Not mad at it. So, 25, the other 25% goes to Freddie Kitchens. And then the last 25%, yeah, it goes on Baker. Baker's the quarterback. You know, quarterbacks get the they they you know they get all the credit when the team win. Quarterbacks receive all the you know all the criticism when the team loses. As simple as that. Baker gets twenty five percent of the blame. You would think Baker would have a good year this year with having a star running back like Nick Chubb behind him, uh, Odell and Jarvis Landry, two star receivers, a young emerging tight end, and and David and Najoku, like. He has a bevy of weapons and you just would have thought hey Baker's going to have a good year this year. You would have never thought Baker would have such a trem- such a, such, a, such a, a bad year and he had a bad year this year. Baker Mayfield had a bad year. With those ne- with those weapons I, I you know I just named you would Baker had Baker threw 59% he had a 59 completion percentage due for 300 3, dollars and 27 yards, with 22 intercept with 22 touchdowns and 21 interceptions, he had 22 touchdowns and 21 interceptions with a six and ten record. Now coming into the season with all the weapons that he have, the running game that he has, Kareem Hunt came back. You would think, oh no, Baker's gonna have a good year. Baker's gonna have a good year. He's gonna have an efficient year. Well, nope. He had the complete opposite. He had a totally inefficient year. Full of turnovers and very rarely, very seldom, bright moments. That's just who Baker was this year. And yeah, I I, I don't I I never saw Baker as the the, 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 the the real talented get kid. Um I think you know I think we were I think some people were going head over heels where they were comparing him to Russell Wilson and Brett Favre. No. He's no way, he, he's, he's nowhere near Brett Favre or Russell Wilson. I'm sorry. He doesn't have the near-athleticism. I don't think he has the psyche. Um, I don't think he's as smart. Or I don't, I don't, and I don't think he has the arm strength. And I don't think he throws a better ball than Russell Wilson. So he's, he's definitely not Russell Wilson. And I can see why they said Brett Favre. He imitated Brett Favre on draft day. But he's not Brett Favre. He's not the next Brett Favre, and he's not the next Russell Wilson. So, I think, I think some people kind of overrated his talent. Like, they overrated his talent majorly. They gave him way too much. They gave him way too much as far as a talent. As a talent, to me, he's a little above average as a talent. You know, he was a little accurate. I coming into the I mean coming into the year and coming into the draft I thought Baker I think he, I thought his best quality was his accuracy. He was really he was real accurate at Oklahoma and he was accurate um his first year in the league, his first few games in the league, but this year with a full 16 games under his belt Baker was the total opposite of accurate. He was inaccurate he 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 had a piece of, he had a completion percentage of 59%. Absolutely bad. Absolutely bad. So I I, I think I think some people just overstated his talent. They oh, they reached. They reached with his talent. I feel like they've reached. They made a total reach with his talent. Um now schematically, schem- schematic schematic schematic-wise and I watched some film of the of the Browns' offense and some of their games. I, I I watched some of their films, uh, uh, some 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 film of them. And the Browns schematically, X and O's wise, it could have been way better. It could have went way much more better than what it was. It could have been way better than what it was this year. Um, I saw a lot of route patterns that didn't make sense. Guys, receivers running into each other. Just some bad concepts and techniques and some bad X and O's. So, that's why I can't... I don't think Baker is... like. I don't think Baker is 22 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. I don't think he's that bad. I don't think he's that bad. But I don't think he's Brett Favre or Russell Wilson. And I think some people in the media overstated and overrated Baker's talent. They reached. They made a total reach on Baker's talent and, and really how good he is. I don't think he's Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers good. We over, they, Some people overstated his talent. But I'll be back um, on the next segment. We're going to talk about some of these coaching, you know, these other coaching moves that have been made, like uh, the Redskins. You know, it seems like they're going to go with Vera. Rivera. The Giants fire, fire Pat Shermer. No, you know, no. That's no biggie. That was no surprise news. That was no breaking news. Um, Some teams have decided to retain. So I'll be back on the next segment to talk about that stuff. Coaching Carousel. <clears throat> Previous segment, I mentioned that hey, the Browns did fire Freddie Kitchens. The Browns then relie- relieved um, John Dorsey of his general manager uh, duties after just two seasons. So I kind of figured that 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 would happen. Um, John Dorsey, usually as a GM, um, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta make moves. You gotta you gotta do your thing uh, in those in those in the time span that the ownership gives you. Um, seven figure job, okay. But when you know when time is ticking, you made the you made a, a number of like incorrect moves, which has basically shaped how the how the season has went for your respective team. Uh, owners owners tend to move off, and GM jobs you usually get about two tries. John Dorsey's at Kansas City. He he screwed up his job at Kansas City with wanting too much power. Goes to Cleveland. Uh, you know, tries to build that team up, but he he made a lot of wrong moves. As we as we discussed on uh, the last segment, he made a lot of bad moves, which led to his firing and his uh, relief of duties. So that's done. Uh, we all know Ron Rivera be- be- before the season even concluded, and it's kind of sad because that whole Ron Rivera was fired by Carolina. But since he's gotten fired. W- we 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 have seen what Carolina has done. It's been absolutely horrible. Carolina Carolina like look, look, look like a a junior college football team. They don't like a pro football team. They're, they're like a junior college football team. Carolina was absolutely bad. they they've, they've been bad since the firing um, of Ron Rivera. But Ron Rivera, you know, it seems like all sources are pointed to Schefter, Adam Schefter. All sources, all intentions, most are expecting. Ron Rivera to take on the Redskins job. I think Ron Rivera is an excellent coach. I think he's a good coach. A uh, tough guy. He's gonna he he he's gonna really command the room. I think this is a good move by the Redskins. Um, but I always have my questions with these type of organizations, and I named and the Redskins. I think they were a part of my bottom tier, my bottom feeders as far as franchises and how they ran. Uh, this this franchise since under under Dan Snyder this franchise has been poorly ran um dysfunctional they've had i think they've had they've had they've had so many coaches in the in 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 a, in a just amount of time it's it's bad it's bad it's bad um it, they got to they got to get their act together but i don't think Ron Rivera is going to be able to save it because i look at The Redskins roster. It's not a bad roster, but quarterback play. I mentioned this also in the the first segment. I said quarterback play. Quarterback play in this league is very important. I gave you guys a stat in, in the segment before. I said seven out of the eight teams with the worst records in football this year, probably, I think all of us would agree, that they have the worst quarterbacks. All seven teams. And the exception was the Chargers. But Phillip Rivers was not very good this year. So quarterback play is a must in this league. And first, I look at the division. The division that this that, that the that the Skins are in Philly contains Philly Dallas and the Giants. Already Dwayne Haskins is the fourth best quarterback in the division. He's the fourth best quarterback in the division. Carson Wentz, Dak, and Dane Jones. I feel like Dane Jones has a little bit more upside um, than, than, than Dwayne Haskins. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I think Dwayne Haskins is a franchise guy. I think he can be a franchise guy. Um, he has the size. I think he can make most of the throws, But, but I feel like Daniel Jones, with his mobility, and especially where the league is going nowadays, mobility matters. And I feel like Daniel Jones, with his mobility, I feel like he can do more. And with him being able to do more, I feel like it's up, that makes his upside even higher than Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Carson Wentz and Dak are already, like, proven commodities in the league. With Dak, he's, he, he's improved his accuracy. Uh, and he's a winner. Dak is a winner. He wins a lot of games. Dak wins a lot of games. And then Carson Wentz, talent-wise, is, it's not even close with Dwayne Haskins and Carson Wentz as a talent. Haskins, I mean, Wentz has the mobility, the arm, the size. The, like, he can make the spectacular throws that him and Mahomes could only make in the league. Like, so, I look at the quarterback play. Quarterback play is going to be a problem. Um, because first the division you're in the division that that the redskins are in dwayne haskins is is you know is the best it's the fourth best quarterback if you think haskins might be better than dave jones oh well but i don't think so so to me dwayne haskins is the fourth best quarterback in his team in, in, on, in his division he's the fa- he's the fourth best quarterback in his division. Now, I look at the Redskins' schedule this upcoming year, not, you know, the 2020 schedule. They play Dallas, Giants. they play, of course, Dallas, Philly, and New York. But they play the Rams, Jared Goff. They play Russell Wilson in Seattle. They play Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. If Cincinnati draft Joe Burrow, they'll be playing Joe Burrow. They'll be playing Kyle Murray in Arizona, Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, Dak in Dallas again. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger on the road, Jimmy Garoppolo on the road, and Matthew Stafford on the road. Like, these are a lot, a lot of these quarterbacks on this list are really good quarterbacks. I can't see, I just can't fathom the, I just can't fathom the Redskins having a chance in these games due to the quarterback disparity. Quarterback play wins in this league. it. it if you do not know that quarterback play wins in this league, just go ask Houston. Go ask Houston how many games Deshaun Watson has won. Go ask, go ask Houston how many games Deshaun Watson has won. Go ask Seattle and Russell Wilson and go Seattle how important Russell Wilson is and how many wins that he single handedly practically won them. How many games have he won them? How many like ask Kansas City? How important the quarterback position is? Ask them. Just ask them, because it's real. It's really important. It's it's a big deal. So uh, you know, and, and the Redskins have this type of history. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, at least under Dan U. Snyder, they have this type of dysfunctional history where they they, they struggle to keep a coach. Um, it, you know, and you know, you always try to keep a coach for stability. We, you know, we rave about stability, but a lot of these coaches don't last. A lot of these coaches don't last. Jason Garrett. I'm, I mean, he's one of the longest tender coaches in football. Jason Garrett. Yes, he lasted nine seasons in Dallas, and we all suspect that you know Dallas is not going to extend his contract. So, but this Redskins move. I, I think Ron Rivera an excellent coach. Ron Rivera an excellent coach. He's not Belichick, Pete Curl, Sean Payton. You know, he, I don't think he's those guys. He's not those Andy Reid. He's not those guys. But he's like the next tier below them. He, he's he's a really good coach. Um, that he's gonna. I think he's gonna bring the defensive intensity uh, that he had in Carolina. I think he's gonna have it. I think he's gonna try to bring some of that to Washington. You know, I think I, I, I'm also hearing that he's, you know, he's trying to get the GM job as well. So he's the coach and the GM, and he's, you know, he's looking for the seek of power. But you got sometimes you got to be careful. As the employer, you got to be careful who your boss is. As the employer, you got to be careful who your boss is. Your boss can be dysfunctional, unorganized. That's what the Redskins are. That's what Daniel Snyder has been with this Redskin team since he's taken think since he's taken over. He he's been. He's been indecisive, quick to make moves, wrong moves, uh, um, dysfunctional, not organized. Like, like it, it's crazy. It's a, it's a it's a dog and pony show in Washington. So I just hope Ron Rivera don't get caught in the mix of it because it, it 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 can easily happen. It can easily happen if if he gets caught in the midst of it. Now. Another NFC the rival of the Redskins is going to make. They, they oh well has already made coaching decisions and moves. The Giants have fired Pat Shermer after, just after two seasons. Pat Sherman went nine and twenty three. I don't. I, I never thought Pat Sherman was the the guy or was the right guy that's going to like just turn around a blue blood franchise like the Giants. I never thought he was the guy. Um. Rost, the roster was the roster is bad. Like the like the defensive personnel that the Giants have, it's bad. They got they got they got they got some they got some ballers up front with Leonard Williams um, and Dexter Lawrence in their front seven. But other than that, it, it's a it, it's that the especially their defensive personnel. It's not really good. They got it. They really have to strengthen that defensive personnel. But, hey, what can I tell you? The next guy that gets this job, this, is a good, this, this Giants job is not a bad job. You got your quarterback in Daniel Jones. Got you a nice dynamic receiver uh, or oh, running back, rather. A running back in uh, Saquon Barkley. You got you uh, a, a young tight end in, uh, in Evan Ingram. And you got some nice little receivers on the outside. Now, the thing with this Giants job is look at the draft order. They have three teams behind them that desperately need a quarterback. The Giants, have, the Giants have teams behind them that need quarterbacks, that desperately need quarterbacks. Miami needs a quarterback. Uh, the Chargers need a quarterback. I forgot the other team. But they have teams behind them that will be willing to give up, especially like the Chargers. Say, for instance, hey, because the Chargers really need a quarterback. The Chargers need to land like Justin Herbert or Tua Tonga Valoa. They, they, they need one of those two guys, the Chargers. If they can't get Brady, um, which is a possibility, but the Chargers, let's just say you know you know they try to they 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 want to make a move they want to make a, a, a an aggressive pursuit pursuit for Tua Tagovailoa or Justin Herbert, and they feel it's that they're they're too low. Where Giants can say hey we're gonna trade you. we can trade you our pick give us your give us give us a couple give us a couple you your your, uh, your standout players hey hey give me one of your, give me your second best corner. And two first rounders and a third rounder, or give me give me uh, Austin Eckler and, 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 and two first two second rounders, and we give you this, this this first round pick. The Chargers may be willing to do that because the Chargers do the Chargers have a lot of talent there, roster. The Chargers have a lot of good players at some at some key positions that may help the Giants. And the Giants may be willing to trade off, get one of those key players and those stockpile, get those draft picks, and make the right picks in the second round or in later rounds or in later picks. So you know that Giants job it's just, it's I'm not going to say it's a sweet deal because the Giants you know that that the front the I still we still have our questions about Dave Gettleman and how he runs his operation we still have questions about that but compared to I think compared to the Redskins with you know if you taking apart which team would you ever want to coach for the Redskins or the Giants I would probably take the Giants job uh quarterback running back you know, explosive running back, nice situation. I feel like you can do. You're a little bit more flexible in New York with the Giants than in Washington, where you have a dysfunctional owner, unorganized franchise, a dog and pony show. They draft. They they have their their interpersonal feelings about certain players and stuff. Like it's it's things it's things of such like that with the Giants. I feel like. Not a bad job, right here. You know, you you get in the right position, you make the right moves and acquisitions this offseason uh, in the draft. I feel like you can do a little something. I think they they, but they desperately have to improve that def- that defense, that defensive personnel that they have. They got they they have to improve that. But I think once they get that improved, I think they will be fine. But you know, I think this guy get the, they got a first landing right coach. Um, let's see it. Let's see what Dave Gettleman does. Uh, cause. He drafted Saquon, but Saquon we all knew coming out of Penn State Saquon was he had a, he, some you know hall of fame talent, hall of fame potential. Like that that's nothing. That's 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 nothing. That's like drafting LeBron. Like of course, of course if LeBron's there you're going to draft him. Of course. That's not that's, that's that, that that's not rocket science. Of course he's too good of a player to pass up on. But but um I think the Giants, I think the Giants, you know, they, they get them in, and, and whoever the, the new coach is, they got to really do a good job in the draft this offseason in acquiring the right talent for the defense, especially the defense. Because on offense, they find, uh, they, they they have spent a lot of money on their offensive line. They can certainly still improve on it, but they, they spent a lot of money on their offensive line. They got a couple standout guys on their line, uh, like Will and Andes. They got some guys on their line. So that, that that's that's a part that they had to the fix a couple years ago, but now it's fixed. Uh, receivers that they have on the outside, it's not bad, but it, it's doable, it's workable. But they, they really gotta show up that defense. They real, they really have to show up that defense, uh, for that team to be like respectable again, for them to even be respectable, past making the playoffs, but. Just like let let let's get the Giants and the Redskins back to respectable at least before we talk about playoffs and how they will look in the next year in the next coming years. Bump that, screw that, scrap that, X that. Um, get get respectable, get get seven to eight wins again, and then we'll probably have talks about playoffs those following years. But get respectable first, um, because that's the thing, that's a problem. I think that's half of the problem, you know. Teams try to rush back into um, into relevancy, and, and they try to rush back too quick. They make the wrong moves, and it may happen one one year, but then it just all falls apart. Like Jacksonville, Jacksonville got to the AFC Championship game, but after since then, what what the hell has happened? They they've lost they, that defense first isn't as good as it was a couple years back. Lost Jalen Ramsey, the cornerstone of that defense. Uh so it's just bad um but I'm going to I'm going to come back on the next segment. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to bring you guys my um my uh, I'm gonna, not my ranking for my playoff teams, but I'm going to discuss these playoff teams and how I feel about some of these playoff teams playoff teams and how far I think they can go. Yeah. Okay, so before I before I like dive into my uh, my thoughts and my takes about these playoff teams, all of the playoff teams, I want I want to talk about the New I want to talk about the New England Patriots separate. I want to talk about them separate and first first. <laughs> I want to talk about them first before I talk about the rest of the playoff uh, teams. This is what I think about New England. Okay, offensive struggles first. So first. New England, Week 17, plan for the number two seed. Uh, if they lose, Kansas City's the number two seed. With a, win, uh, with a win with the Patriots, they lock up the number two seed. And basically, the, the, Pats, the, the, the Patriots, they're rigid. Um, they've had offensive struggles and offensive problems all year. And, you know, people say, who are you blaming on? Do you blame it on Belichick? Do you blame it on Brady? And do you blame it on the receivers? It's a collective blame. First, yeah, Brady looks every bit of 42. Brady is 42 years of age. Brady looks every inch of 42. He looks like it. Um, As you see... It, the game is transforming. The game is transforming and it's transitioning to a league and a game where your quarterback has to be mobile. I've said, I said this, I said this a couple of weeks ago. I said, with the new salary cap and the new CBA, C, CBA agreement, it, 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 it's hard to with the salary cap because the NFL salary cap is so tight. Where you gotta play, you gotta pay your quarterback. You gotta pay defensive stars. You gotta pay your receivers. by the time you you get down to the bottom of it and the nitty gritty, you can't pay your offensive line. So your offensive lines are not as good. Offensive line play is not as good as it used to be. And I said this. I said there's only a select few of teams with outstanding. Offensive line play. Like Dallas has a good O line. Um San Francisco has a good line, Baltimore has a good line, Pittsburgh has a good line. Indianapolis O-line is not bad either. But just about everybody else old offensive line league is average. Some 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 teams may have um a couple off you know, a couple stars on their offensive line. Some 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 teams might have a couple good offensive linemen. But there's not a bunch of outstanding offensive lines in football, so that calls for you as a team, as an organization, to ha- to get a quarterback that can move a little bit. That's that, that that's all it is. That 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 I mean, because I saw it all year with the Rams. The Rams jerk off is an immobile quarterback. He's a pocket passer. And he Jerry Goff had center and guard. He had interior offensive line issues all year. And that was the root to the problems or to some of the problems that, out there in L.A. with the Rams. They had interior issues on their O-line and pressure was in Goff's face all day, every day, every week. And Goff is not mobile. So that, that brought Goff's play down significantly. And the same thing is happening with Brady. Brady looks every bit of, and Brady's forty-two. <laughs> Golf is young. Golf is younger, and Brady's forty-two. Brady looks every first. Brady looks every. For, uh, he looks every bit of forty-two. Then, offensive line. He's, he's missing his center. He's having some offensive line troubles. He's he's not mobile. So the game the game has transitioned just like just like NBA basketball. Steph Curry eliminated the center position. Yeah, some centers nowadays, they average 15 and 9. Or some centers can average 17 and 8, 17 and 10. But centers don't have, I mean, 15 and 10, that's not going to get you to an all-star game. That's not going to make you an all-star. And the same thing with the pocket pass, just with pocket passers in the NFL. The game has expanded. Offensive lines have gotten worse. So that means you have to get your quarterback that can remove her around pressure. They can't remove her around outside of the outside of the pocket. That's just what they that's just where the league is leaning to right now at this moment. It's a trend. It's like a stock market. It's like a stock market. Mobile quarterbacks, quarterbacks that can move and get outside the pocket, their stock is rising because offensive lines are bad. Quarterbacks are protected like no other. You got That's what you need. Brady's not that. Oh, and then the reason why you got to blame someone on Belichick, first, first, Belichick, I, 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 also, I also did this a couple weeks ago. I pointed out the Saints and what the Saints have drafted the last few years. The last four drafts. I pulled out what who the Saints have drafted. I, 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 a couple weeks ago. Where I pulled out and I said, hey, this is who the Saints, this is who the Saints have drafted, and this is who Patriots have drafted. This the Patriots drafted in the last four years. J- Jacoby Brissett, Joe Tooney, Sonny Michelle, Isaiah Wynn, and Nicara Harry. That's who the Patriots have drafted in the last four years. That's who they have drafted. While the Saints in the last four years have done much better with drafting the right players to help Drew Brees, the Saints have drafted Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Ryan, Ryan Rancheck, Like, they have drafted a litany of talent and Pro Bowlers, Marshawn Line, to, to help support. Drew Brees, and the Saints. The Saints have done a significant better, better job than the Patriots. And it's a fact. It's a fact. They've done a better job at drafting. And just New England's playbook offensively, just their system, is old and rigid. It's old and rigid. Rigid things. Lose value quickly. Rigid people age quicker. New England's offense is an old, rigid system. Receivers are unable, are unable to adapt quickly. Receivers have to. I mean, it takes a long time for receivers to get this 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 whole system downplayed, downpacked. Muhammad Sanu is a veteran, and he's played for multiple quarterbacks, multiple teams, multiple coordinators. And he's had a problem adjusting to the system. And he's a veteran. So just imagine Nikhil Harry, just imagine practice squad guys that are young, inexperienced, and don't have the talent necessarily as a Muhammad Sanu. And they have to adapt to this. this. This rigid offensive system. This rigid game plan. It's kind of bad. And it reminds me a lot of what, what's going on with the Spurs right now. It's old and rigid. Coach K is, 70, Coach K is 72 years of age. Coach K realized, oh my. I got to do the one and done thing. I can't have three, I can't have three year, four year basketball players. I have to have one and done in order to continue winning. Coach K quickly adapt. Coach K continued winning. He's not rigid. On the other hand, some coaches like Bobby Knight has gone from legend to extinct because you failed to open your eyes to new ways, to new trends. It's nothing wrong with being a traditionalist. I'm all for traditionalists. I'm all for keeping things certain things traditional. But at some point in time you gotta embrace the new. You gotta embrace the new. And I've seen it just for kids. Kids used to wear Jordans. Or my generation. My generation. My generation used to wear Jordans. We used to wait outside for Jordans. On Saturdays. Now. Not a lot of kids are happy about getting J's. Kids nowadays want Yeezys. It's the new style thing kids nowadays want yeezys and you can say what you want about Kanye West but you know you know he he says a lot of things he's gone into a new life he's gone into a new self a rebirth he's been born again you can say what you want about Kanye yay you can say what you want you can say what you want about yay but in some of these kids eyes some of these little kids eyes my generation's eyes we see Kanye as a superhero Makes, a, makes cool music. Makes cool shoes. Sorry. You can say what you want about Ye. But he makes cool stuff. And to some people in my generation or younger kids, they see him as a hero. They see him as a superhero because of his shoes. Stop being old and rigid. And just adapt. It's what's happened to the Spurs the last few years. The Spurs in the last two seasons have been dead last in three-point attempts. I know, you know, you know, you you don't want to shoot threes. And threes is the, you know, the old traditionalists in basketball. Threes used to be considered, the three-point shot used to be considered a bad shot. But now, outside of a layup, the three-point shot is a good shot. And you need to hit it. You need to be able to hit the three-point shot in order to have success in, in basketball. And that's what's wrong with the Spurs. The Jazz are better. The Lakers are better. The Blazers are better. The, the Warriors are better. The Rockets are better. <laughs> the Clippers are better. The Raptors are better. The Celtics are better. The Bucks are better. <laughs> the Heat are better. All these teams are better than the Spurs. And it's been, based, it's been based upon, hey, Greg Popovich and the Spurs have been rigid, old, and rigid, and do not want to adapt to the new way of the NBA. And that's why they haven't had success either in the postseason the last few years or haven't made the postseason because they've failed to adapt to the new way. It's nothing wrong with adapting to some new ways. You can't just be stuck in your, in your hometown for your whole life. Some m- majority of Americans don't move outside of their hometown. Majority of Americans. And it's nothing wrong with that. But you are missing another side of the world. Don't be afraid to take Go outside of your comfort zone. Go outside of your comfort box. Adapt to new. Adapt to some new ways. That's all New England's problem. New England has failed to adapt to new ways. They've been old and rigid, and the old and rigid has won them six bowl. Yes, it's won them in the past though. But nowadays, the game has transitioned to a new way, a new form. A new fashion and the Patriots have yet they have yet to adapt to the new way. They they they, they have to try gadget plays to be effective offensively. They have linemen catching passes from Brady just to be efficient on offense. No, just get out of your old and rigid ways. This is that's exactly what's wrong with the Spurs. They, 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 The Spurs don't shoot threes. They don't want to shoot the three ball. For some reason, they don't want to shoot the three ball. And yet again, the Spurs, yet again, last year lost in the first round of playoffs. Play hard, yeah, but they have failed to adapt. And that's what's happening to New England. Failing to adapt to new ways. Now, let me go on to how I feel about these other playoff teams. Uh, It's not going to be as long as that. Uh, let's start in the AFC since I talked about New England. With the AFC, Tennessee. Tennessee plays New England. I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee wins this game. I'm not going to give you my prediction yet. But Tennessee is a nice young team with a full of talent. Like, I know what it is about Tennessee. It's like, by week nine, they realize, oh, hell, we're four and five. How about we, like, pick up the pace? And then the next, like, seven to eight weeks... They don't lose a game. So, <laughs> like Tennessee, they always they like this is the fourth straight season that Tennessee has finished 9 and 7, but this is a really good team. Coached by Mike Vegel. he's a really good coach, hardcore, um no 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 BS type coach. He he's a good coach with a good roster. Uh, they, this this game right here could be interesting, but Tennessee, nice O-line, Derrick Henry um, he, he comes on late onto the season. He starts slow, but he comes on late into the season. Uh, AJ Brown and Corey Davis on the outside as a, as receiving threats for the Tennessee Titans is dangerous. And since Ryan Tannehill has taken over the starting job, there hasn't been there hasn't been many quarterbacks playing better. Like it's been like Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, and Lam- and, and and Carson Wentz. But then after that, it's like Ryan Tannehill since 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 he's taken over, um the, the Titans, I think which is a really important stat, the Titans um, they, they lead the league in total yards per game in total yards per play. that's big. that's a big stat. Excuse me, that's a big stat, especially in the playoffs. yards per play, the Titans lead the league in. so I like them. Um, I think they can beat New England. Um, it might sound crazy, but I think they can beat New England. The way how New England played against Miami, if if, me, if Miami, if New England plays like that against Tennessee, like they played Miami, New England will lose. Let's get that straight. New England will lose if they play anywhere like they did against Miami. If they play like that against Tennessee, they will lose. But Tennessee, I don't, say, I don't have them winning the Super Bowl. I don't have them going to the Super Bowl. But it's a really interesting roster with with a lot of talent with a lot of talent. I like Tennessee. They're hot. Um next, uh Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. Um similar to Tennessee, Buffalo's been a little bit consistent, more consistent this year um than uh Tennessee. Buffalo started off well. They started off with a 4-0 start, I think. Um Buffalo, good similar to Tennessee also. <laughs> good defense, solid front seven. Uh nice secondary, probably one of the best secondaries in football. Uh there Josh Allen as a quarterback has improved. He's still raw in certain areas, but he's a good talent. He's a good talent, and he still has to work out some tinks, some clinks. But I like I like Josh Allen and his team. But um it's gonna be a it's gonna be a real tough game and battle with Houston. I'm not quite sure um if they can beat Houston, but Buffalo don't have to win the Super Bowl, but Buffalo's really interesting. On to Houston. Houston Um, I know they're not gonna win the Super Bowl. Um Houston, the Sean Watson dependent. They depend on Sean Watson very he, real real too much, I think. They depend on him too much. But I think what will get them over, what could get them over the top with Buffalo is them being able to make plays offensively down the field more consistently and more effectively than Buffalo can. I think that's where they can get Buffalo. But if Deshaun Watson isn't like spectacular, I think Buffalo come in there and win. I think Buffalo will go right down to Houston and win. But um, I think Houston's too dependent on Deshaun Watson. He's a he, he's a good quarterback, of course. They do get JJ Watt back, so that might help the defense out a little bit. But I don't see this team like going going to the Super Bowl or in if they do win their first round matchup against Buffalo um, on Saturday. I don't I I don't they they won't be able to be um Baltimore or Kansas City. Um, so Kansas City is next. Kansas City has come along. Has come a long way this year. They have faced injuries to, to Patrick Mahomes. They have faced defensive struggles that they have that that they have fixed, and their defense has gotten better. Um, these last I would say nine since these last eight weeks, especially the last month of football, the defense has gotten better. The defense has gotten better. They're only allowing I think like twelve points. So they're playing well. Um Patrick Mahomes and the offense, we all know it's explosive. It got a lot of sizzle. It got a lot of padas to it. We just questioned their defense. But now that their defense is clicking, this Kansas City team, they can make they can make a strong push for the Super Bowl. But um it's gonna be tough trying to beat Baltimore. In the next Baltimore. Baltimore is probably the most balanced team in football. They average 200 yards of rushing, 200 yards of passing. Lamar Jackson is having a phenomenal season. Hopefully they get the guys healthy um, by the time for the divisional matchup whoever they face. But I like how they've been playing offensively all year. They broke the the, the Ravens rush offense. The Ravens offense broke the all-time rushing record for a team. In one season, they broke the record, um, so they have ran the ball at a an extremely high level, and then defensively, they have made some acquisitions where they have been able to play much aggressive, and that and with them playing, you know, more aggressive than they were uh, the the first four odd week four something four first four weeks of the season, they have been able to their they play have gotten better as a as a as a core as a unit. Their defense have gotten better as they have been able to play more aggressive. So that is the AFC side. Uh, NFC side, let's just start with Minnesota, the 6C. Oh, oh, yeah, Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, a totally different team with with and without Dalvin Cook. They They look awful as an offense without Dalvin Cook. With Dalvin Cook, they could probably make a playoff run. I don't think they're going to beat New Orleans at New Orleans, but I like this team. I like this coach with Mike Zimmer. Kirk Cousins has played better this year, even though, despite he still had his troubles on Monday Night Football. But he's played much better this year. Um, and I like this Vikings team. So, at the five seed, we have Seattle. Seattle, I like I this Seattle team, but they have too many injuries at a key position, which is running back. They have way too many injuries at running back. And Seattle's really, you know, Russell Wilson, they, they depend on Russell Wilson a lot. But Seattle wants to run the football a lot. Marty Schottenheimer's son, he wants to run the football. He wants to establish the run game. And they, I don't think they're going to be able to do that effective, en- effectively enough to be able to, like, really make do some serious damage in the postseason. Um, like I thought, they could have if they would have had those running backs, but they don't. Um, and their defense is hit and miss. Their defense is hit and miss. Sometimes their defense looks good and they can force turnovers, and sometimes their defense gives up too many points and too many yards. So that's what I have about Seattle. Um, four seed, which is Philly. Philly is a great story this year. Carson Wentz has done a great job. Um I think the the main part with Philly has been quarterback coach front office. They got a good front office with a good coach paired with a good quarterback. Um I think that has ultimately saved them. Um now I could it could, could they see upset Seattle? Yeah, they could upset Seattle uh this upcoming Sunday. But I don't I wouldn't bet on it. I think it's going to be a close game, but Philly has too many injuries. To overcome and to try to make a Super Bowl run, they have too many injuries, similar to Seattle, at some key positions at receiver. Carson Wentz is it has a good deep ball. Well, you can't throw the deep ball if you don't have anybody running and beating and making those deep deep routes. And they don't have enough. Um, they don't have enough explosiveness. Uh, explosiveness offensively at the receiver position. So, I, I'm going to hold off on Philly, but there it's a good story. Uh, could they beat Seattle? Uh, I don't know, but it's a good story for them to even have made the playoffs, to, you know, dealing with all the injuries that they had to deal with. Uh, at the 3 seed, New Orleans. New Orleans is tricky. New Orleans is tricky. Um, some people have Sean Payton under the microscope because Sean Payton these last few years has had some Big play offenses, some of the best offenses in football, and he has failed to get back to the Super Bowl. He has one Super Bowl victory in 2009, um, but hasn't been back to the big game since. Now, in these last few years, they've had some big breaks. Uh, the Rams missed pass interference call, but they still lost that game in overtime. And then the Minnesota victory, the Minneap the Minneapolis uh, miracle. Where they throw the ball up, to Case Kim throws the ball up to Saquon. I mean, the Stephon Diggs and Stephon Diggs makes a great play. So they've had some big, they've had some tough breaks these last few years. But New Orleans, they got a nice defense. Breeze is healthy and hot. Um, Michael Thomas seems unguardable, unstoppable. So New Orleans do they do have the ingredients to make? A Super Bowl run yes they do have the ingredients to do so um whether or not they do it is still up for grabs but I do I, I would probably give them the edge over Minnesota um to see Green Bay I've been hot I've been hot and cold about Green Bay all um these especially these all year long but especially these last few weeks because you know everybody wants to recognize how good Green Bay is um, they're a good team. Obviously, they went thirteen and three. You have to be you have to be somewhat good to be to go thirteen and three. Um, their defense do force turnovers, but I wouldn't put all my eggs in my basket with their defense because I look at the quarterbacks they have played, uh, the quarterbacks they have beaten, Dak, uh, Detroit, Mitch Trubisky, Kirk Cousins twice, Dame Jones, um, Joe Fluco um, who else have they beaten? Who in the hell has they beat? Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins. They've beaten a lot of quarterbacks like that. Derek Carr. They've beaten a lot of quarterbacks like that. Kyle Allen. I don't really trust this Green Bay team. Um, especially offensively. I think they're, they're, they're really limited offensively. Um, I was calling New Orleans the NFC version of New England. Green Bay might be the, the NFC version of New England. Um, offense is very limited. Uh, they, if you, you take away Devontae Adams, that's, that, that, there's no deep threat. Uh, Aaron Jones has been a good back for them, but if you load the box and stack the box, will, which some teams will do to stop Aaron Jones, they're, they, they're, they're, they're out of luck. They're, 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 they're out of luck. Um, this, 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 this offense doesn't have much sizzle to it. This offense does not have much sizzle to it, but... They do have Aaron Rodgers, so I still think they could make a Super Bowl run. But would I bet on it? No. And I like New Orleans and San Francisco. And that brings me to my last team of the of the NFL playoffs, the 49ers. 49ers, the one seed in the NFC. I talked about them in the early, in the um in the first segment where I gave my breakdown and analysis about the Seattle game. But San Francisco is a good well coached oiled machine. Um they know they know what they have to do to win. Yes, I view them as a Super Bowl contender. Um if I had, if you told me to um make a decision today out of the NFC, who's going to win the play, who's going to win the NFC? I would pick the 49ers. they um, they they're, they're similar to Baltimore power running football team. that can beat you over the top, explosive, and then they they can make plays defensively. And I'm hearing they might they might get some key guys back on that front 7 that's going to help them and you couldn't see tar um in the secondary uh their safety uh so they if they can get some guys back on the defense their defense is going to be locked and loaded and fully healthy for the first time in some weeks now so um i like i i i i like i like the 49ers i think they are definitely a super bowl contending team and it would not surprise me if they are there in miami um, so that is the conclusion of this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for um, for keep tuning in and clicking uh, and sharing the podcast. You guys are doing a good job with clicking. You know, we we reached our mark before the deadline. I'm proud of us. Thank you guys for listening. You guys are strong. Um, be safe. Happy New Years. Happy Holidays, everybody. Enjoy. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Enjoy that college football that comes on these next few days. And also, 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 I want to mention, um, oh, yeah, NFL playoffs coming up. We good. We're good. I'm sorry. We're good. Adios, amigos. I'm gone. Anyway they say to make an exit, Arriba Durche, whatever they say to make an exit, that's what I'm doing right now. See you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, It means a lot. Thank you.